2: the court 10 seconds remaining
1: they just got to throw it
3: under
4: the basket under the basket it's down to seven seconds it's the truth for the win Gone. Oh, they did it. a miracle it. double water hit that one from the parking lot shock
5: and all in college basketball it's not the size of the dog in the fight It's the size of the fight in the
2: dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the NCAA Tournament Betting Preview Part 1. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. You boys ready to go through the South and the Midwest, all
5: the Friday games? I went out to Phoenix to do some spring training. I'm dying on the West Coast to hear... My buddies, Mike Randall and Stucky do a podcast on their initial reactions on the brackets as I watched them from Camelback Ranch. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and the podcast finally drops. And as I'm listening, it's getting better and better and better, especially the Arkansas portion was fantastic news to my ears.
4: Arkansas, Colin, we had to do it. We're unbiased here at Action Network and as much as we wanted to stoke the fire, it's it's full transparency. How do you not love the Razorbacks? Big Suey. Woo, big Suey.
2: Well, Colin didn't pick them. We just did a show with uh, Chad and our March Madison. He didn't pick them for the final
5: four. Purdue over Arkansas. It's not, I mean, come on now. Come on. We'll get in. We'll get into this. I like Arkansas to make a deep run, but anybody with inside presence is going to give Arkansas some issues. Also, later we'll have picks from three man Weave. Our
2: guys uh, for Friday, so stay tuned for that at the end of the show.
6: March Madness has finally returned, and there's only one way to celebrate. Let's get gambling. Gambling,
2: gambling. Let's start with the playing games on Thursday, five ten Eastern. Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern. Mount St. Mary's is a pick right now, over under one thirty three. Uh, I personally like this under, which I played on the Action Network app. Mount St. Mary's, they can defend at the rim. On offense, it's a very, very poor offense. Uh, they struggle to score. Chong Kui, their point guard, awesome story. He was not recruited by anybody else but Mount. They rely on him to just, he's hit so many big clutch shots. But the offense should really struggle. Texas Southern, I mean, it's transfer for you. Michael Weathers is actually They have a bunch of transfers, a few from Power 5 programs. Michael Weathers is a star of the show. But they can't shoot at all. They're one of the least three-point teams in the country, and when they do shoot, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. I don't think that they're going to have much success trying to attack Mount St. Mary's at the rim either. They have a lot of size, and Texas Southern has enough athleticism on the defensive end where I think it's going to be a struggle for Mount. Uh, I think this is an ugly grinder. Either of you boys have anything here?
4: Yeah, I love the under two. It, it, Texas Southern struggles, and Mount St. Mary's can't make free throws. Mount St. Mary's also due for some regression here. Team shooting 78.6% from the free throw line against them. Defense is strong. It's one of the first four games. I always really lean under in those games, especially with these two.
5: Yeah, and I think you need to also look at the free throw rate defensively for Mount St. Mary's. They don't send a lot of teams to the line, 28th in the nation in defensive free throw rate. You know, even Texas Southern, who shoots the ball a little bit better from the charity stripe, they may not get there very often.
2: Yeah, second game, 627 Eastern on TBS. Drake at Wichita State. This is one of my favorite bets of the first round, Drake plus two. I was, based on some of the comments by DeVries, their coach, I was assuming that Hempel would be back. He allows them to do so much more defensively. He can also create his own shot uh, offense, offensively, which they need at times. And so I was assuming that he was going to be back and appears that he is going to be ready to play. Maybe he's not 100%. Maybe he is. But that's a big get back for them. to a team that already lost their starting point guard, Roman Penn. But Yusufu's been outrageous. He's a rocket ship at point guard. Uh, I think Drake is the better team here. I think they have the better coach. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm not a fan of this Wichita State team, which is, they don't do much. They don't turn the ball over. They can get on the offensive glass. But Drake really can battle them on the defensive glass. They excel there. Wichita State just very inefficient from two. Inefficient offense. Uh, They take a lot of threes and they don't make a lot of threes outside of etn it's i mean dexter dennis and gilbert they're just inefficient shooters they're very streaky i guess if they're on they could they could certainly win this game um but uh, i like drake here this wichita state team so lucky all year uh, they, te- they were before that cincinnati debacle when which and again i thought they had a win since they lost their best player in the first half which says they ended up losing that game still getting in but they were 10 and 1 in games decided by six points or less during the regular season that includes two overtime wins. And these were against like central Florida, South Florida. I think it's a, it, this is in my power ratings, Wichita state was the worst at large by far. I think they'd finished 88th in my final pre tourney power ratings. The biggest snub was Memphis, by the way, which was 33rd, a 55 spot difference. Memphis beat Wichita by 20 in the regular season, by the way. So it's all Drake here for me. Randall, you.
4: Yeah. I grabbed it right away with you at two points. I, I hedged that he was going to come back. Hamphill coming back is huge. Big physical presence, screen and rolls, goes right down the middle lane, slams at home. And are we sure, guys? I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this because I love Roman Penn. Yusufu may be better than him. I mean, he pumped yeah. in back-to-back 32, 36-point games against Evansville, making five threes, five threes, four threes. So, Hill was the guy they needed back. One of the best cover teams all year, right up there with UConn and Navy against the spread. So, yeah, I grabbed it right away. It's now flipped. I love Drake in this game.
2: Yeah, offense is really efficient. They get great looks, good off-ball movement, well-coached. And, uh, yeah, I think that they're they're going to own the offensive glass here as well.
5: Uh, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I had I took Drake right away with the news, uh, you know, and they will coming back. But I think, more importantly, the projection for Drake-USC, which would be the next game since we probably won't podcast about that here, is about five and a half. And I think I'll be rolling right with Drake again because you're going to need that against some of the guard play, some of the perimeter players that USC has. Uh, You know, going up against Evan Mobley, they're going to need all of that. But I think Drake can pull it off, even as five and a half point underdogs projected against the Trojans
2: and Drake. Also, they'll throw out a press, which is more effective with tempo back in the mix as well. 840 true TV app state Norfolk state. I have a write up out here. This game preview I did. For the action network app and actionnetwork.com, it'll be out there. We'll have previews for every single game. By the way, in depth team profiles. Uh, Norfolk State—it's a, it's a, an interesting team because they play Robert Jones the coach. They play this floppy zone, and they'll use a, a, a press a lot too, a one-two-two two press. They'll drop back into like a morphing three-two-two-three two, two, three, man-to-man at some points. Basically, they try to force turnovers and they foul a lot too, or a quick three. It helps being in the MIAC where a lot of teams can't shoot. So their their defensive numbers look really good. They're always in the top 75 in turners. They force on turns of the press and they're, and they're morphing defense, which tries to confuse opponents. But Austin P if you look at the numbers, they haven't shot the three well, but they're a regression candidate. They've been pretty unlucky in that department. And if you look at just like their open jumpers, they're in like the ninth percentile, whereas Norfolk state who's shooting really well from three this year, they're like, I think top 30 in the nation last year, they were, This is a team, really experienced team, really deep team. Last year they were at like 31%. They have a bunch of guys shooting 40% for three that were like 27 and 30% career shooters. So there's some regression coming there as well. I think App State has the ball handlers uh to handle the press and the and the zone. They have a, a bunch of shooters on the outside. And I think Dustin Kern's an excellent coach. He'll have they've had 10 days off. They don't have a lot of depth, but we saw them win four games in four days to win the Sun Belt, including two overtime games. I think that. He'll have a good game plan here. I trust their perimeter. They don't have a ton of size, and their center Lewis, he's only like six eight, is banged up, but that doesn't really hurt in this matchup. Uh, so I like App State. I make the game around a round of three. I threw him in a money line parlay with Florida State, who we'll get to later. Randall, anything here?
4: Yeah, four games in four days, very impressive by App State. And remember, Norfolk State really benefited from North Carolina A and T having the assistant coach get COVID. They didn't have to play them. Uh, and then it turns out being a false positive. So they kind of missed a step there. I agree. App State really impressed me. They hit big threes there in that last game. Legs did not seem to bother them. So, yeah, three's a high number. I wish I got it when I have to, but I'll take App State.
5: A lot of these games for me, I, I turn to the four factors, and I specifically look at free throw rate. And, and Appalachian State – doesn't foul anybody, 23rd in the nation, defensive free throw rate Norfolk State. They foul everybody, 330th. To me, that's enough in a game with a spread this small to put it on Appalachian State.
2: The other thing why that's important is Norfolk State's really deep and they press and they draw a lot of fouls, but App State doesn't foul, which is important for two reasons. That's a big part of Norfolk State's offense, but also that means that App State's not, they're not deep. They're not getting in foul trouble, which would be a problem here. So I I completely agree with you. And, And App State, they'll get to the line a lot here, and, and they're pretty reliable there. All right, let's move on to the final playing game of the night, and that's UCLA Michigan State, 957 TBS. Michigan State, a two-point favorite over under 135 and a half. Colin, I will let you
5: start here, because I know that you love UCLA. Love UCLA. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> This is the team that I think will win this game and then move on to go to the round of 32. And I feel like UCLA is kind of like a gambler in a casino that wins a few bets and then they're on house money because they weren't supposed to make the dance. I mean, I know that they were on the bubble, but the way that they ended the season with all the consecutive losses, a one-point loss to USC to end the regular season, an overtime gut-wrenching loss to Oregon State, their identity has become, I mean, besides the injuries, the identity has become uh, slow pace, get a big lead, and then give it all back. And I feel like with them getting into March, uh, you know, into the dance that they have new life. And so a gambler that's playing on house money is sort of what UCLA is going through. When you look at Michigan State, they're one of the worst fouling teams in the nation, 294th. Uh, They're one of the worst teams from a defensive turnover standpoint. They don't take the ball away from anybody. The offense comes and goes as spurts, but who they put in on offense can't play any defense. And when they have their top defense in, they can't play any offense. They just lost to Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, You know, they beat Michigan when Michigan didn't even need the win. They'd already locked up the number one seed. There just isn't a good road win here. I'm not counting Duke from eons ago. And, you know, even though UCLA has been hammered with injuries and they're kind of soft on the interior now, they've just had some serious improbable losses. You know, Oregon State, USC, like I said, uh, BYU kind of fits the same profile. Is Sparty, horrendous at turnover percentage on defense. Just they're not going to take the ball away from you whatsoever. And BYU has a terrible free throw rate. Uh, So I like UCLA, you know, playing without Chris Smith, Jalen Hill. uh, You know, BYU got whacked by USC, and that's a team that UCLA beat. So I just think UCLA is playing with new life here. The slow tempo is a grind. It's not going to be comfortable. Uh, I like them to get to the round of 32. Randall?
4: I love saying that the team from this game moves on and beats BYU, who I think is, is very overrated, but I'm going to take Michigan State for the reason, Colin, you kind of alluded to. I, I think they're going to beat him up up front. I like the fact that they play defense. I still think this team is a very odd identity. Mick Cronin team not playing well metric-wise on defense, kind of relying on offense. I feel like Tiger Campbell took a step back this year. He's been very inconsistent. They ended the season really poorly with the four losses in a row, whereas Michigan State was battling every single night to try to get into this tournament. Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, everyone down the stretch. So I I understand the limitations of the Michigan State offense. I do. But I'm going to bank on Aaron Henry. I'm going to bank that they're going to beat him up up front a little bit. And I just think UCLA is a team with a reverse identity that Mick is sort of not comfortable with. So is Owen March, close spread. I'll take Michigan State. But I do like the winner of this game to move on because the playing game team always gets hot.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, I'll break the tie. I actually, I think I'm leaning towards Michigan State here too. They, you have to stop Tiger Campbell and Drew Zhang in the pick and roll. And Michigan State, what they they have a really good perimeter defense. They're really good against the pick and roll. They're vulnerable inside, but that's not UCLA's game right now. And UCLA did catch a break in the fact that their, I mean, their half court defense has been really bad this year. And this is a team. Some of their scores might lead you to believe, oh, they're playing good, but they're just really slow. It's a slow Cronin team, the 330-second in adjusted tempo. But I think Michigan State does some of the things well on defense, uh, on the perimeter, that can neutralize this UCLA offense. You know, UCLA doesn't really turn the ball over anyway, so that Michigan State weakness is not really hurt here. Michigan State can't shoot. They've been really inconsistent shooting, and that's been a weakness of UCLA, so that'll help. But, yeah, I'm going with the Michigan State defense here too, but I don't mind – your argument,
1: Colin. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. dollars It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus they're compatible with BetSync. So when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
2: We're going to go through the South and Midwest, which are all the games on Friday. And just to make it easier for anyone, if you want to go back and listen, we're going to do it in chronological order, both the South and Midwest games on Friday. My final four team, I have two main brackets right now that I've entered in I've. I think Baylor's vulnerable, the way they've been playing defense after COVID. They could put it together, but I think this is a good shot to take a chance on another team getting to the final four. Ohio state has questions on defense. Offense is excellent. So uh, my two brackets, I have Purdue and Arkansas advancing to the final four.
6: Woo pig suey. Uh,
2: Randall, who's your final four team here or two? Yeah, my final four team in the top. I have
4: Baylor getting knocked up by North Carolina in one, and then Baylor getting knocked up by Purdue in the other. The bottom part of this bracket for me is one of two teams. I do not think Texas Tech can put it together for enough games to make the final four. I think Utah State could, has an outside chance, but I'm just not sold on them. So in both of my brackets, it's either... Arkansas or Ohio state. I don't see any other team. I don't see the Florida, Virginia tech winner making a move here. And I don't see Utah state getting by Arkansas and Ohio state in consecutive games. So it's Purdue for me in one. um, And in the other one, I have Ohio state, but I, I like Purdue a lot in the top part of the bracket. And the biggest thing here is I do not think Baylor's making the final four. I don't.
5: Colin. Yeah. For me, this is a really chalky bracket until you get to the elite eight. I did this a million different ways, Purdue, Arkansas was my elite eight. Uh, From a neutrality standpoint, I see matchup issues for Arkansas against Purdue. So officially with the Action Network, you know, (laughs) bracket and and podcast, you know, I would have to go with Purdue uh, to get to the final four uh, based on matchups uh, and just differences that I see. But Arkansas Colin is taking Arkansas. Woo pig suey. I, you could flip-flop either of the teams. The If you want me to be uh, emotional or if you want me to say that, hey, we're going to have a good time getting to the rim with Jalen Tate and Justin Smith and, and Moses Moody and Jay Notay is going to hit every three. But Purdue poses some serious issues. I'm going to officially money-wise neutrality. I'm taking Purdue over Arkansas. For those of you that are wondering, like none of us like Baylor, Baylor's defensive efficiency since COVID has dropped off a cliff. Like the offense can score. Like I may, I may take some overs, especially in that North Carolina game, but the defense has just completely fallen off a cliff. We just talked about who we like
2: in the Final Four for the South, for the Midwest. Uh, it's easy for me. It's Illinois. I've said it the preseason. I've said it all season. I'm not turning back now. Uh, that's my national champion. Brandle, Midwest Final Four team?
4: Yeah, Midwest, Illinois. I think they're two bounds. But I've told you, the bottom part of this bracket sets up very nicely for an upset. Don't believe in West Virginia. You've talked about the regression. The defense hasn't been there. Syracuse Rutgers Houston take your pick I I think Houston is vulnerable against a tough defensive matchup with either Clemson or Houston so yeah it's Illinois for me but they're going to be battle tested that is a rough draw with Kate as a four and then the winner of Loyola Chicago Georgia Tech
5: yeah, you're not going to get any disagreement from me. Uh, this is also chalky in the Elite Eight. I got number one Illinois over number two Houston. I think some notable things out of the first round. I, I think Tennessee survives the, the the twelve scare from Oregon State, who has just got unbelievably hot. And I think Liberty. You know, we could talk about Liberty later, but
1: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
5: For me, it's just going to be Illinois over Houston. No real upsets except for Tennessee getting to the Sweet Sixteen. All right, let's
2: get into what everyone is here for. Let's get right into the South Region.
0: So. South. Sweet potato pie and I shut my
2: mouth. First game, twelve fifteen, CBS. The wait will finally be over.
6: Oh, yeah. Let's do this.
2: Virginia Tech, Florida. Florida's a pick. Total 135. Va Tech, they've had so many games canceled against marquee opponents. It's been a tough team to read for me. Florida, they have their limitations on defense. They'll try and press up. Uh, I don't think it's either team... Is not incredibly strong in the post, um, which isn't gonna be a factor here. How many points can Trey Mann go for? That might be the difference. I don't have the best read on this game, right? I'll throw it to you. Vatek, Florida kicking this thing, kicking things off.
4: No Jalen Cone, and the layoff has been huge. I mean, Virginia Tech hasn't played. They played one game since Saturday, February 27th. That was North Carolina. Hung around a little bit, you know, trying to do some things under Mike Young, who has great offensive schemes and gets ball reversal and, and screens away, and that's fine. But I like what Mike White's done this year, and I've been very critical of Mike White in the past. I think he's finally opened up the offense a little bit. I think he's finally taken the handcuffs off. They've run. They've had some impressive wins this year, and they are super athletic. I mean they ended up pounding Auburn. They they ended up beating Kentucky. West Virginia way was a really impressive game. I watched that whole thing. Castleton inside actually did some nice things. They do defend the three well. They're very athletic. A little shorthanded of Virginia Tech and Rusty, I will take Florida at a pick.
5: Colin? Yeah, I agree with Randall for a lot of those reasons. My problem where I'm not going to have like a high dollar bet on this, it is going to be on Florida, and, and but it's just not going to be a lot of money because they've kind of wilted ever since they've came back from COVID-19 when I thought that they would get much better. Trey Mann with the, the migraine issue, then they come back as the fifth seed in the SEC tournament. Uh, They get, you know, they didn't even make it out of the first game. Uh, So they've really disappointed since that COVID-19 break. They rely too much on Trey Mann at at the guard position. They rely too much on Colin Castle because after that, there's just not much left on this roster. Virginia Tech shooting tendencies, like Randall said, are out in the perimeter. The Gators are top 30 in three-point percentage defense, Uh, but Virginia Tech, you know, they they have a really poor free throw rate. uh, So they're not going to get there. You know, if they do get there, they shoot 70% from the charity stripe. So I think free throws at the end make all the difference in this game. That's a pick and I'll take the Gators.
2: Yeah. Florida is, it's an aggressive defense. They'll, They'll throw out a press and then drop back in, uh, to generally what is a man defense, but the they're aggressive on the perimeter, which is why they don't allow a lot of threes and which is why they're pretty good against the three. But they, because of that, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, um, which is a concern against Virginia Tech. It's really a concern against everybody. Florida's outside the top 300 in defensive rebounding percentage. Uh, but if you know you look at Florida's offense has a lot of turnover problems at times. Voc Tech's not going to really exploit that. And... Uh, what this game really could come down to is if Trey Mann goes off, number one, and the, Colin, you said it, the free throw percentage. Florida's really good at the line, and Virginia Tech struggles there, and a game that's kind of coin flipish that could end up being the difference, but not a game I have a really strong feel on. Let's move on to a game that I think a lot of people are going to have really strong opinions on, and that's Colgate-Arkansas. Arkansas, an eight-and-a-half point favorite over under – 161. I think this opened at like 154, which was definitely too low. Two teams that want to play really fast. Arkansas doesn't really have any major holes right now and since they've been healthy. Most importantly, Justin Smith has been healthy in the lineup. They played like a top 10 team. They went on a long winning streak before last weekend. Colgate's an interesting team, and I really do believe this. There's going to be a lot of differing opinions this weekend in college basketball because I think that there's the data is really flawed. Number one, there's some teams have condensed schedules. And number two, there's been a lot of teams that their numbers are imp- were impacted by COVID, right? They had long breaks. They were playing without guys. It took a couple games to get back into the flow. So, you know, and then you have like a team like Loyola. I don't think that they're like they're number eight in Kempom. I don't think that they're that good. They didn't really play a hard non-conference schedule. The Valley was down. So I think a lot of these computer numbers, uh, there's some flaws in them because of how unique this season has been. And uh, Colgate is certainly an interesting case, right? They were number eight in the net. This is a team that only played three teams in the regular season, though, all in the Patriot League, uh, Holy Cross, Boston, and Army. That's it. So if you look at their numbers, they're fantastic, obviously. Um, they shoot 40% from three, second best in the tournament behind Baylor. They shoot – they hold opponents of 26% from three. That's number one in the nation. But, I mean, they played three Patriot teams. So what do, you, what do you do with this team? Well, they play super fast. So does Arkansas. They're very good from three. They're very good in transition. Jordan Burns is a great point guard. He can get white hot. They have shooters around him that can also get hot. Him and Cummings are a great experience backcourt. And this is no doubt a good shooting team, but they're limited in the post. They're going to be disadvantaged here athletically, but if they're making their threes, they could keep it interesting. But a game in the one sixties, does that talent advantage eventually take over? This isn't like Liberty and their shooting ability in a game with a significantly less total, uh, Brad, I'll throw it to you before Colin gets in on his hogs thoughts. Any chance for an upset here, or are you looking at the dog? I don't see it.
4: Jordan Burns is a wonderful player, and he, he brought Colgate back against Tennessee two years ago in the tournament. They ended up losing that game 77-70. But when you have played a schedule of just Army, BU, Holy Cross, and then Bucknell and Loyal in the Patriot League, I mean, the step up in class against Arkansas is just so strong. I just cannot see Colgate hanging with them. And listen, Burns is fantastic. Jack Ferguson, incredible three-point shooter. I just think this is a COVID game. They've had a limited sample size. If they have played some great non-conference teams and had some experience, I get it. Arkansas, totally healthy. Colin can speak more about it. I think Jalen Williams being healthy now is a big, big deal. He had a good game against Alabama. He's a big player inside for them. 6'10", freshman, gets, gives them some quality minutes. Moses Moody for three, Jalen Tate, the whole thing, Justin Smith. I think it's too much of a step up for class uh, in class for Colgate. I I don't see them covering, and I see Arkansas moving on.
2: Maybe I'll throw. By the way, maybe I'll throw some someone uh, Jordan Burns and Colgate in the second half if they're down a lot. I was in Vegas for that Tennessee Colgate game, and they're arguably their best player that year. Um, I mean, Burns was up there. Was Ivanowskis, and he got hurt in the first half, hurt his eye, I think. Didn't play in the second half. Only played. 16 minutes at zero points was just a non-factor in the first half Tennessee was up 12 I think 12 at the half I had Colgate plus eight nine ten I forget what the line was but they came all the way back Burns went for 32 went nuts and I was in Vegas celebrating that That was awesome so shout to Jordan Burns I'll always be a fan of him for that comeback Colin are your hogs gonna roll here
5: yeah, let me uh, let me throw, put some notes out here because if you're going to play contrarian razorback, you're going to say, well, they showed up to Nashville and they needed J.D. Note threes from everywhere to, to, to hold serve and to win that game. And then they came out against LSU and they were completely flat. You know, if you're going to play conservative, you're going to say, well, that hot streak that they had, it's gone. I disagree with that. Uh, You know, Jalen Williams is coming back. Randall alluded to that. Freshman, uh, one of our bigs, he's going to give Justin Smith, uh, you know, a blow there on the blocks, and we don't have to go to, you know, Justin Smith to play every single minute of the game. It's a huge upgrade. A a kid, a freshman that got really hot in mid-January. But let's go back and talk about Colgate's schedule. Colgate's schedule is a joke. And when you look at who they've played and how they've built this record, and then you go and look at Arkansas. Musselman came out and said, we purposefully – before SEC play, we singled out teams to play that we thought would win their conference and go to the tournament. Look at who's Ar- Arkansas has beaten. Oral Roberts, North Texas. Right. Uh, Oklahoma. They played Oklahoma State lost, but they singled out teams in non-conference play. Abilene Christian is another victory that they have. They have victories over a lot of teams in this tournament. So Arkansas is battle tested. They proved it against other seeds that are in this tournament. And so I think my job was to come in and look at this game as a fan that watches every single minute and a person that loves my wallet. My wallet dictates more than my fandom. And so I wanted to give this a true neutral perspective. So the narrative is that Colgate is a three-point bomb machine. But in point distribution rank, they're just 153rd from threes. Uh, they're not near the rate of like an Oral Roberts at ninth, who Arkansas beat, or Alabama at 13th in point distribution, who Arkansas beat by 15. The narrative is that Colgate is super fast on offense. And that's true. Their tempo rate on offense is 32nd. But that's not near as fast as Alabama at third, or Georgia at 20th, or South Carolina at 12th. So to say that Arkansas isn't going to be ready for this, it's just not true. So Arkansas's defense has an opponent tempo rank of third. So is Colgate's defense ready for the Hogs? Look what Colgate has played against. The Raiders' opponent tempo rank is 147th. Are they ready for Devo Davis and J.D. Notte's steals rate, which is like 188th and 85th in the nation? Colgate's 300th in defensive turnover percentage. They are not going to be able to get into the passing lanes of an up-tempo offense that wants to get it up the court fast. Colgate's 155th in two-point defense. Jalen Tate slashing to the rim and Justin Smith slashing to the rim. That inside is going to be there and we're going to get up the floor quick. And Colgate has never seen anything like this out of any of their opponents. I took Arkansas at minus eight and a half. I projected at 10. I think there's more Colgate money that's going to come in. You may get down to a seven and a half. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be sweating. I am completely banking, for those of you that have been following me on Twitter, that Razorback 10-minute dip buy, I completely expect it here. I think Muscleman's going to feel them out. They may be tied, or they may be down by five or six, 10 minutes, second, third TV timeout. You can expect a play coming through the action app on the Hogs.
2: Yeah, Colgate doesn't have a huge three-point – if you look at the three-point attempt percentage, it's not really high. But, they I mean, they played a bunch of bad teams. They would get a lot of layups. So, I expect them to shoot a lot more threes in this game against Arkansas, which will increase the variance. But I do expect it to be really fast. But that is the case for the Hogs.
6: Woo, pig suey. All
2: right, let's move on here to a game. Uh, our Illinois boys, they're laying 23 against Drexel. Oh. <sighs> Over under 143 and a half. I mean, I make this like 22. I don't care. I mean, Illinois is going to win. Oh, my God. Who cares? Uh, Illinois, maybe this cover comes down to maybe garbage time, maybe how many free throws Georgie and Coburn. How many times they get to the line because they're not good there? So they might leave some free points there. Drexel's a great offense, but Illinois can match them. They can match them on the perimeter. Drexel ran really hot in – their conference tournament from three, like ridiculous. They, they were shooting 50% from three since February 1st till the end of their conference tournament run. Then they have a long break now. And you know, that they were dealing with a they benefit from a conference that was just crushed by COVID. So uh I have no interest here. I think Illinois wins easily. And I think the line is about right. Did you have anything here, Colin?
5: Projection is 19. I think you're paying a premium for a one versus a 16. And, and the problem is, is Drexel's tempo is 340th. They can't get back into this game and cover the spread in the second half. That's the problem.
2: All right, let's move on to a game, a much more interesting game, Utah State, Texas Tech. Texas Tech four-point favorite over under 131.5. Really intriguing. I love both of these coaches. Really intriguing scheme battle because Utah State, what they want to do is – I mean, everything starts with Kata inside. right? This is is a non-Power 5 team with a Power 5 center, a seven-footer in the middle who just doesn't allow anything at the rim. No, you don't get anything at the rim against Utah State. They force you to beat them. They're compact, and then they have Kata. Uh, so they can also close out on threes and not worry as much about teams getting to the rim. They don't allow anything at the rim. On the other side, you have – on the other side of the ball, they want to start with Kata inside. And he can kick out, and they have shooters, and if Brock Miller's hitting threes, they're much more dangerous. The one thing that I worry about here is Utah State does have two freshman point guards, two – point guards that kind of rotate at the point guard position. Are they going to be handled that handle this Texas tech, this no middle defense, which also doesn't allow anything into the paint. Um, and they do force a lot of turnovers. It's an aggressive defense. Are the BYU point guards ready for a very physical team? It's just going to they take, take on the persona of their coach um, is which McClung. Are we going to get interesting game here? Can is out a foul trouble? That's always a, a point of emphasis in their games. What do you see here, Randall, in Texas Tech, Utah State?
4: Yeah, I just don't trust Texas Tech. They're way too dependent on Mac McClung, who doesn't deliver on a consistent basis. They're going to face a team that's going to D them up. Utah State's going to D up and it's going to get up in their grill. They're going to get rebounds. Kata usually does a decent job of staying out of foul trouble for the most part, and that's where Texas Tech usually attacks teams inside with rebounds, second chance points. Two fantastic coaches, and I think Chris Beard will have something completely dialed up to make sure that he doesn't get burned you know, from deep, from three-point range from Brock Miller and, and company. But I like Chris Smith. I'll take the coaching matchup, even if it's even, if you want to go with that. Kata inside is the difference. It's a coin flip. I'll gladly take the points in what has to be a low-scoring game with two defenses, I think Utah State moves through. Texas Tech's been two up and down, and the type of team that they want to play in the first round is not one that is comfortable playing at their style. They want to get their style and have an advantage. They will not have that with the Aggies.
2: Yeah, they, it's interesting, the rebounding battle, because Utah State, they've compacted with Kata in there. They don't allow any offensive rebounds, and that's one of the biggest sources of offense for Texas Tech, as well as free throws. Utah State doesn't really foul as much. And then on the other side of the ball, because Texas Tech is so aggressive on in, in their defense, and they don't have elite, size I mean Santos Silva's there they're vulnerable in the offensive class and that's where Utah State lives with k and putbacks Uh, so the rebounding battle I think in this game will go to Utah State I just worry about their turnovers a bit with their freshman point guards Um, Colin what do you see here
5: yeah I mean if the rebounding aspect wasn't enough to get a bet down on Utah State consider the fact that while these teams have about the same effective field goal percentage ranks Utah State is 15th in the nation in defensive field goal percentage I mean they give jump shooters slashers, everybody, problems shooting the ball. I love Utah State here for their outright upside.
6: Upset alert. All
5: right, let's move
2: on to Oral Roberts, Ohio State. Ohio State, 16-point favorites, over-under, 157. Uh, I'm on Oral Roberts here. I love this Oral Roberts offense. I, I, you know, it's – there's not – the the fact that the pace is going to be so fast, and this is a total 157, that does hurt the variance a bit. But because the Ohio State offense is awesome, Chris Holtman runs beautiful sets with their bigs who who can stretch the floor. Kyle Young status is something to keep your eye on. But the Ohio State offense is going to score; it's going to shred. I mean, this is Oral Roberts defense that is by far the worst defense in the tournament from any metric, and maybe that can some increased effort in the tournament setting will help. But, I mean, this is a team that almost blew like a 40-point lead to North Dakota State in the conference title game. They don't play any defense. But what they do do is they play extremely efficient, awesome offense. I mean, this is a team that can shoot. And they're led by two guys mainly. It's Asmus at the point and O'Banner. Asmus is the leading scorer in the nation. O'Banner, I think, averages like 18 and nine and a half. They're a great pick-and-roll duo. This team can shoot. They shoot a ton of threes. They're great from the free-throw line, just a really efficient offense. They can put up points. And we've seen it against tournament teams in the non-conference. Against Oklahoma State, they lost by five, 83-78. Wichita State, they lost by five in a game in the 80s. Arkansas, down big at the half. I think that game ended like 87-78. And so they they can score with these teams. There's also a big, a big opportunity here for Will Roberts. with a number of 16-and-a-half to get in the back door, right? If this is a 20-point game of five to go, uh, they can easily sneak in the back door here. So if Ohio State isn't making their shots, Oral Roberts is going to score. And as long as they're making their shots, they can put a scare into Ohio State. So I love the 16 and a half. The Ohio State defense by almost every metric, their pick-and-roll defense, their perimeter defense in general is is poor. That's where they're vulnerable. And that's why you see them get into these absolute shootouts. Oral Roberts can take advantage of that. I think Aisman goes bonkers. And uh, I like Oral Roberts with the points. Randall?
4: Yeah, I love Or Roberts and the points also. You said it. I want teams that are going to pull upsets or that are getting big numbers to have experience playing against elite competition. That's what they have. Arkansas lost by 11, but not a decent performance on the road there following a game against Oklahoma away. They also played Oklahoma State and only lost by five. Ace misses numbers are insane. I mean, besides leading the the country in scoring, we're looking at a guy that's 48% from the field, 90% from the free throw line, and 43% from three-point range. This is not a volume shooter, guys. This is an elite scorer that is super efficient. O'Banner inside, absolutely. He can step out and make threes. He's shooting 47%. You saw that in the in the Summit League tournament. I like Oral Roberts in the points. I think their defense, like you said, they gave back a big lead there, which they shouldn't have. I think eventually Ohio State beats them. I don't think it's going to be an upset. No Kyle Young doubtful to play in this game. That's an issue, but it's enough to take the points with me with a really good Golden Eagles team that can score.
5: Kyle, you see anything here? Yeah, I wrote a tempo report for, for the first round of March Madness, and this was the number one buy for an over. Uh, this is something I project at 161, and when you guys, I hear you guys talk about three-pointers and Ohio State scoring, they listen, nobody cares about defense in this game, and each team can score a ton of points. Uh, you know, Ohio State is 336th in defensive turnover percentage, which means ORU is going to be able to get up to the three-point line and fire it as many times as they want, and they'll never have the ball taken away from them. Uh, the one thing that worries me about Oral Roberts, and I will say this. The Oral Roberts side, I think, is the right side because projection wise, if you pull out the efficiencies and do it, you know, with 100 possessions, this line should be 12 and a half. And I think it's just juiced because it's the Ohio State name against Oral Roberts. So I think you're good on the number, which is going to come down. I'm starting to see it come down a little bit uh, so I think the Oral Roberts number is good till about 13 uh, and you can hammer Ohio state live. if They say, if it gets down to seven, if it's tied, my problem with Oral Roberts and scaring me for the over is the, just the fact that they go completely ice cold and they can't get to the free throw line either. And if you take the summit finals against North Dakota state, I think, what do we have? A 30, 35 point lead at halftime, which was completely evaporated after 10 minutes of the second half. So those kinds of streaks from Oral Roberts are like, it's just typical. That's a microcosm of their season. So you need Oral Roberts to be doing this in all four 10 minute phases of this game to get the over and to cover this spread.
6: If you hate gambling, go listen to
3: NPR. All
2: right, let's move on to another one seed Baylor. 26 point favorite over a Hartford over under 140 and a half. Uh, I mean, who cares? It's, I actually think I think Baylor, I think Baylor actually drills Hartford. We'll see. I mean, Baylor's number one three-point shooting team in the country. You would look at the Hartford defense, they're ninth in three-point defense, but they give up a ton of threes and they play in the Northeast Conference with one of the worst schedules in the nation. They played at Villanova earlier this year. Villanova shot 40% from three, 15 to 37, and Villanova won by 40. So, I, this is a huge look. Tracy Carter is an excellent defender and a great player, and Hartford has some size inside, but the athletic mismatch in this game is stunning. Um, Hartford won't, I, I don't know, I can't imagine them getting 55. And uh, if Baylor is angry, you know, a lot of people doubting them here, saying that they can, including us, uh, this Baylor seems down. They've had a lot of rest. After that loss in the conference tournament, they could come out here angry and put up a 90 spot on Hartford. Um, so I think it's Baylor, nothing, but not a game I'm in love with. Colin, you going you gonna, to uh, make a case for the Hawks?
5: No, absolutely not. But if Baylor's going to come out here and score 120 to prove a point and get some headlines during a very busy day, they better hope they get Wisconsin in the next round because I think North Carolina athletically – and the fact that, you know, Baylor's defensive efficiency has fallen off a cliff, I, they better get Wisconsin in the next round if they're going to hammer Hartford and score over, score triple digits.
4: That that one versus eight, nine game should always be called the Ali Farouk manesh game from here on out. I want Baylor to pound Hartford. I agree, Stuck. I think they do because I want a line that's high against North Carolina in that yep. second round. Yep.
2: Agreed. All right, let's move on to a game. I don't think we should spend too much time on it because there's a lot of uncertainty. But Georgia Tech Loyola. Loyola, three and a half point favorite over under 126. I love Georgia Tech catching two and a half initially. I was about to bet them and the news came out that someone is out. There's rumors on message boards that it's Moses Wright. If that is, I don't know what Georgia Tech is going to do defensively because they play a lot of zones. That they, they trap in their zones. It's a, they'll force a lot of turnovers. And they have Moses Wright who can check, who can who can go inside and Actually, check uh, crutwig, which not a lot of teams have, and they wouldn't need to help on them. Lola can shoot, which is a concern against Georgia Tech zones. But I love this Georgia Tech team peaking at 3rd time. without Moses, right? It's not a deep team already, he is so important to that team. I took some little money line when the rumors started to come out. I might come back with Georgia Tech if this thing, once if it's confirmed and this line goes up to like five or six, I might come back for a little middle, but. With so much uncertainty, I can't really go too much into this game. I think Loyola is is overvalued in the market right now a bit. Like, they're eighth in Ken Palm, and I think they're good, and I think they're a top-20 team, maybe top-25 at worst, but they're not a top-10 team, and they benefited from a a down year in the Valley, and Georgia Tech, I think, is undervalued because early in the year they lost two ridiculous home games because they were doing non-contact practicing because of COVID. I don't know. You're still together. I still don't know what Passman was doing there, but too much uncertainty for me to really get out – a strong wreck here. Randall, anything here?
4: Yeah, I mean, Moses Wright dependent. If you're not going to have the ACC player of the year who's going to have to deter Cameron Krutwig inside, that's an issue. Crutwig actually fits his zone pretty well, right? Uses his body yeah, yeah. around the basket, doesn't get into foul trouble because he can't really jump, so he's accepted that. But he's going to be right at that foul line. Moses Wright needs to be in this game. If Wright plays, I love Georgia Tech. Everyone's on loyalist Chicago for all the reasons. Here comes Sister Jean, the narrative. Great, fantastic. They're playing an ACC uh, tournament champion with a great point guard and a great big man. But if Wright is out, I, I can't take uh, Georgia Tech.
2: Yeah, because then you have to help on him, and then there's going to be open yep. shooters all over. Yeah. You don't have Wright on the on, the, on the offensive glass. You don't have Wright to score. I mean, he is so important to that team, and his development has been one of the reasons why Georgia Tech has skyrocketed this year. Anything here, Col?
5: Yeah, and I mean, if he is playing, the projection that I have for this game is Loyola minus two, where it was before everything was announced. It's crazy to think this thing was sitting around minus 130 money line before the news broke and now I'm in the same boat as you stuck. I mean, I'm looking to play Georgia tech, but there's been no resistance in the line as we are sitting here recording this. There's a bunch of books popping up to three and a half. We don't know what that number is going to go depending on who's available. So I would say keep tabs on, you know, Moses, Wright And, and, you know, check some social media out to see if he's going to be available and whether he's playing or not, I, if he's not playing, this thing is going to exceedingly get higher when, you know, his point spread value is around, you know, two, two and a half points. So Uh, You know, I think anything over four, no matter if he's playing or not, is way too much on Loyola Chicago. Uh, If he is playing, I think you can grab Georgia Tech all the way down to two. For me, I'm going to stick with my Loyola early week money line. I'd come back on Tech if they're fully healthy.
2: All right, moving on to 430 Eastern on TNT, Tennessee, eight point favorite over Oregon State. I was originally coming into this game saying, look, I was going to fade Oregon State coming into this week before I got the matchup. Oregon State ran so well from three during the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, and they're not even a great shooting team. So I think that – but this matchup comes out, and Tennessee was the team I was thinking about maybe betting. So it's like, all right, Tennessee, I maybe want to bet. Oregon State, I might want to fade. But first, I don't think – I don't know how Oregon State's going to score. Uh, It's it's an inefficient two-point offense. Tennessee's defense is obviously good. They have pawns to protect a lot of their aggressiveness on the back end. And this Oregon State offense, it's not a juggernaut by any stretch. The other side, Oregon State runs a lot of zone. A lot, a lot of matchup zones, they'll drop into shifting zones, which is a nightmare for Tennessee. Like Tennessee can't really consistently shoot, and Tennessee ideally wants to get out into transition and where they could, their athletes really shine. And their offense just isn't that efficient. You're going to see a lot of zones here with Oregon State. Oregon State doesn't really attack the defensive glass. They get back. They play slow. They're going to make Tennessee try and beat them in the half court. So I'm all about the under here. I mean, I don't, this Oregon state, they can't, they're not going to shoot. I don't think how they did last weekend. Tennessee's defense will be at a huge advantage athletically. And then all these zones that Oregon state's going to throw out Tennessee. I think they're going to struggle to score in the half court. So I played some under 132 and a half. I would even play it at 131 where it is now. Um, Randall, what do you see here?
4: Yeah, that's it. I think the zone slows down Tennessee. Tennessee's going to have to rely on their defense, but I think Oregon State is going to win this game outright. I'm fine with them getting hot. They've been a covering machine down the stretch. Lucas is 40% from three-point range on 170 attempts. They let it fly. Alatishi inside has been really strong for them, a double-double machine, so he's going to battle on the boards. I do not trust the Tennessee defense overall. I know they play hard, but they've had some big uh, lackluster performances here. I mean, I saw them getting torched by South Carolina, a team that was totally shorthanded at home. They won that game, but they only won that game because Victor Bailey went nuts from three. If they don't have a big, outstanding individual performance on offense, absolutely Oregon State covers this number. And I think they're going to win it outright. A battle of the orange here. I just don't trust Tennessee. I don't think they can get it together. Oregon State is balanced. They are also well-coached. Ethan Thompson's a veteran, and the guards have been making three-point shots. Uh, Tennessee needs to control this game and keep it close and be leading by a little bit. If if Oregon State comes out hot and goes away, I don't know if Tennessee can get back in it because you have good guards and you have a well-coached team.
5: Colin. Yeah, I echo stuck statements, you know, with the under on this game from the defenses. This is a game that I project at 127, Opened 133 down to 130 and a half as we record. I think that's going to continue to drop. Uh, there are things and I was I was going to back Tennessee here. Tennessee's advancing in my bracket. And I was thinking about taking them with all of these points because, uh, you know, I projected at eight and a half. I, I didn't want the wrath of Randall and the and the how bad the Tennessee defense is. But <laughs> there is a very, very large free throw discrepancy in this game. Tennessee gets their biggest point distribution from the line, and they're going up against an Oregon State team that is three hundred and fourth in defensive free throw rate. They will hack you. Bad news, I think, for you know, for maybe this point spread as well for people that want to back Oregon State. I think the thing that I'm kind of waiting for, maybe everybody's just busy working this week, and the money will start rolling in. But with Oregon State just being as hot as they were, overtime games and shooting threes, and and everybody's these huge tickets from these crazy numbers of these crazy books. Where's the money on Oregon State? I haven't seen any money come in at all. That number It's been all Tennessee money so far, and the numbers just sat on eight. So I'm just going to sit and watch for a little bit and see if this Tennessee number dips and maybe if there's some value. All right, good stuff. Before we get to the final eight games, primetime Friday night, I want to tell you about
2: our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, makers of America's most flavorful non-alcoholic beer around here. March Madness is our favorite time of the year but if you're looking to take it easy on the booze this March and just focus on celebrating the season through some good wholesome gambling Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option because for years now Athletic Brewing has been making great tasting beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer but without the alcohol. So if you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com. Check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. That's ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. I'm in my office right now. I'm going to walk over. And I'm going to grab one right now. The drinks will be had this weekend, but I have too much work to do. During the week, so let's give this one a try. This is Cerveza Atletica. It's pretty good. All right, yeah, it's pretty good. Right. Um, <laughs> let's move on to a game I love, six twenty-five Eastern on TBS. This is like the first game of the day. I guess Oral Roberts. I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for because this is in my brackets. I have Liberty moving on in all my brackets.
1: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
2: This is like my my Friday stab. And, like, I'm going out on a limb and saying Liberty's going to win Saturday. We'll get to that as Ohio. Everyone already knows that by now. But I think it's a really bad matchup for, for Oak State. And I'd actually obviously love nine and a half. make this a tad under seven. So, the edge isn't as great now. But I think Liberty this is going to be right there at the end. It's an awful matchup for Oklahoma State, who, if they win, they can get to Illinois, and that'll be a thrill. I think Illinois wins, but they can get there. But Oklahoma – what does Liberty do? They pack it in, pack line defense, so they don't let you get offensive rebounds, which is what Oklahoma State wants to do. They don't let you get out in transition – they don't attack their offensive glass. They just get back. They play the, one of the slowest paces in the country. They don't let you get out in transition. They don't let you get to the offensive boards. They don't let you get to the rim. Oklahoma State, top 20 rim rate on offense in the country. Liberty, top 20 rim rate defensively. Like, this is just a an, an transition. Oklahoma State, wants to. The, they're one of the highest transition teams in the tournament. Liberty does not let you get out in transition at all. Everything I look at, they're going to make Oklahoma State beat them with jump shots. Now, Oklahoma State does have turnover issues at times. That Liberty won't exploit that. But everything else is in Liberty's favor. And Oklahoma State, one of the reasons I think they're so good and they've just been they've just been covering machines is Mike is an underrated coach and he can throw out a lot of different looks. They'll press, they'll throw out their extended two, three zone. You don't want to press Liberty uh, unlimited ball handlers. You don't want to zone Liberty, trust me. Yeah, and obviously it's a three-point line team at Liberty. So if their shots aren't falling, they'll get they could lose. But it's gonna be a low possession game, increases the variance even more. But this team could shoot. They have it's not relying on, like, one or two guys. I think they have seven guys that over 36% from 35, over 40. Uh, I think the Flames and Richie McKay are live here. I love Liberty, 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 Liberty. Liberty,
1: Liberty, Liberty.
2: Podcast favorite team. Randall, am I crazy? No way. I, I don't see how
4: they get blown out of this game, so I'm definitely grabbing the points. They beat Mississippi State pretty handily in the last tournament that we saw. They have no problem. And by the way, this year in the non-conference, they played Mississippi State, South Carolina, beat them back-to-back on neutrals. They beat them by 11 and beat them by 16. This is not a team that's going to be intimidated. Oak State has to bring their best game. They got to make some shots from the outside. Kate Cunningham cannot make a silly move like having two fouls there in the Big 12 cha- in the Big 12 tournament championship and then trying to take a charge with 6 minutes left in the first half. So they better bring it. They better not turn the ball over and they better be ready. Liberty can shoot the 3, 38%. McGees fantastic. You can't press him and he's got unlimited range. I mean, he sh- hits shots from well beyond the arc that are swishes. Liberty is live. I love them with the points. I don't think it's going to be a blowout game either way, and I have no problem with you taking Liberty moving on. I have Oak State
5: only because I believe in Cunningham, but this is a
4: bad matchup.
5: Colin, do you agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm with you guys here. I think the one stat that sticks out in my mind is that Oklahoma State is not that great of an offensive rebounding team, one of the four factors that we like to look at here in March Madness. Liberty is 14th in defensive rebounds. I know there's a size difference here. I know it's different conferences. I know all that, but uh, there's one team that hustles more than the other on this side of the glass and that's Liberty.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're pack line. What, what are they going to do? It's good. They don't foul. They don't let you get to the rim. They don't let you get offensive rebounds. That's all the things that Oklahoma state wants to do. Oklahoma state doesn't want to shoot threes. It's one of the, it's not a three point reliant team, 295th in three point rate. That's yeah, a great matchup for Liberty. If the shots are falling and McGee, he will pull up from 40 feet. Not really, but he, he does. He has deep, deep range. Uh, this Liberty team can shoot. They run beautiful offense, and if they're going to take the time. They're going to they're gonna cut, see if they can get some backdoor looks, and then they're going to find an open three. Uh, they don't turn the ball over either. They're really great from the line when they get there. I think Liberty is live. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of Liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with the vision burning in your soul. Um, all right, let's move on to Wisconsin-UNC. Fascinating game here. UNC, my one-and-a-half point favorite, over under 137-and-a-half. And, and one of the stats that you'll probably see come this weekend, if you haven't already, Roy Williams, 29-0 and all-time in first-round games of the NCAA tournament. Oh, I'm weird. I do like sweaters. I like the feel of not
3: a tie around my neck choking me. So I got a lot of sweaters.
2: Wisconsin, on the other hand, 0-7 against tournament teams since February 1st. It's a team that just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Now, I think that you can make a case for Wisconsin if you believe like the Big Ten as a whole is so much better than everybody else. And like you think that Wisconsin just needed to get out of the Big Ten, um, if you think the Big Ten is a little overrated and Wisconsin just not being able to win any of these games and their offense going stagnant is, is kind of troubling. What I worry about with Wisconsin, and I think if they're bigs, if they're like Reavers can show up and Potter can hit threes, that's big because UNC wants to live near the rim. And they have great bigs, and if you can draw them out, that's obviously going to be big. UNC wants to live on the glass on both ends. They can't really shoot. Uh, they gave up a ton of threes, which is worrisome against Wisconsin. Can Wisconsin finally start hitting some shots? Um, so it's it's an interesting X's and O's battle. The one thing I worry about with UNC, because, I mean, Wisconsin's bigs have just disappeared against bigger, more athletic bigs this year, which is what UNC has. The one thing I worry about with UNC is just their young guards in a tournament setting. They're all freshmen. Their entire backcourt, uh, unless you count play tech, is all freshmen. They can't really shoot outside of Walton. You know, are they going to see they have some turnover issues? But Wisconsin won't really turn you over. But I do worry a little bit about the inexperience of the UNC guards. Randall, help me out here. What do you say?
4: Yeah, it's UNC for me. I mean, what is the argument for Wisconsin here, guys? Okay, they haven't played well all year. Okay, there seems to be some internal issues. Okay, Nate Reavers is now a total pillow. Okay, if they get down by eight points, you're still going to run the dribble handoff and take twenty five seconds off the clock before they take a shot. I mean, we're banking on them coming together. We're talking about them hanging in there. If Micah Potter can make threes, I mean, and that's the focus of your offense. Can your big man step out? They both had combined him and Reavers no rebounds against uh, Michigan. I like Roy Williams. He usually does a great job. He doesn't get upset early on because he, when he has the bigs, he usually finds a way to get through. They'll pound it inside. I think your point about the guards is fair stuck. I mean, Love hasn't been great, but he did play well against Duke. They'll make some threes. Uh, Kerwin Walton, Walker Kessler can make some shots and get a little bit hot. And this the depth on the front line is going to wear Wisconsin down. Baycott, Sharp. Garrison Brooks inside. It's UNC for me. I I have no rationale on why you would pick Wisconsin this game except you know what? They're a veteran team. They're like thirty-two years old each, and I think they're just going to magically get it together now after being terrible the whole year. And that's not good enough for me.
2: Yeah, one of the one of the things that I'm why I'm leaning the UNC is if you look UNC under Roy Woods, you know what they want to do? They want to get out and transition. They want to attack the glass. They want to live on the offensive boards. They do that this year as well. But this is a tempo – Oh, clash, right? Like Wisconsin wants to slow everything down. They won't crash the offensive glass. They want to get back. They want to slow you down the methodical on offense. They're one of the slowest teams in the country. Wisconsin, I mean, North Carolina is still one of the fastest. But if you look at their numbers, their half-court defensive numbers are spectacular. Percentage, that are 81st percentile in the half-court. If you look at their offensive numbers, half-court, they're about average. But if you look at their transition numbers on offense, 9 percentile. Ninth percentile on offensive transition. Defense, 14th percentile. They've been dreadful, and it's these young – they're young backwards. They've been dreadful in transition on offensive defense. So I think that, you know, they have young guards. When they can defend in in the half court with their bigs, when they can get the ball into their bigs and run through the post, their half court has been much better. Usually it's like Carolina wants to get out and run, and that's when they're most effective. It's Not this year. So I think Wisconsin, who is going to make – you know, make this game a lot slower, that actually works in North Carolina's favor. I think North Carolina, based on all their numbers, is a better half-court team than a transition team this year. So it's kind of backwards logic, but I think this works in North Carolina's favor. Uh, Colin, what do you say?
5: Well, the bet that I wanted the entire time, I just made it while you were talking because you guys have convinced me that I was correct in my thinking that the under is the play here. The projection for me is 132.5. This thing opens up, Around 139. Uh, We're getting down to around 137 at certain places. And I think, you know, huge tempo clash, like you mentioned, 45th for North Carolina, 326th for Wisconsin. And if you look at the history of Wisconsin going up against teams that run tempo, Nebraska and Illinois, they've made them go slower. Like the, the point totals in those were in like the 120s. So, you know, Wisconsin is second in ball security in the nation. They're horrible at offensive rebounding and free throw rate, but What's important is second and ball security means that North Carolina is not going to be able to take it away from them. And the slow tempo of the Badgers bring it up the court is going to apply all game with that 326 tempo. So I like the under here as much as I think UNC is athletic and can score. And and they're going to be, you know, that, that Baylor game, I'd probably take an over with, with North Carolina. I think in this game, Wisconsin will dictate the tempo. It will be slow. And the under is the play. Wisconsin is
2: great in transition defense. But they don't allow anyone really to ever get out in transition. And it's just the way that they play. If you look at percentage of transition opportunities, Wisconsin allows 11.2%. That's 22nd nationally. So they don't get out in transition, 10th fewest. They don't allow transition. I think that works in North Carolina's favor, which is crazy to say. Um, so I'm leaning towards I don't hate that underlook. But Wisconsin, the one thing that just gives – it's just the young guards. And then we, North Carolina will give you a lot of three-point looks because they want to attack the defensive guys. They want to get out in transition. But that's not really applicable here. But Wisconsin is going to get three-point looks. So are Trice and Davidson hitting them? Uh, can Potter and Reavers step out and hit them? That's kind of the wild card here. And then if UNC is getting three-point shooting, they're really great. Like if Love is hitting threes, but they're all like 20% shooters outside of Walton. Oh,
5: double order. All
2: right, let's move on to Cleveland State. Houston, Houston, 20 and a half point favorite, 715 Eastern on True TV, total 134 and a half. I love Houston here. I think this is a romp, and Houston has shown that they will go out and romp teams this year by 40, 50. There's nothing that Cleveland State can do here. I don't see any advantages. They take a lot of bad shots. They're a high regression candidate. Um, They'll zone you. They'll pressure you a bit, throw some press out there. Dennis Gates is a great coach, but Houston's not bothered by pressure. You don't want to zone Houston. They can shoot. And if Houston's off, if they're not making their shots, they're going to get every offensive rebound. Top two offensive rebounding team in the country, I think only by North Carolina. Cleveland State outside the top 300. They're going to get every single rebound. I don't see how Cleveland State scores efficiently. They're going to be forced into a ton of threes. One of Houston's flaws: they foul a lot. Very aggressive defense. They force a lot of turnovers all right, Cleveland State, get to the line where you suck. Like, there is nothing I see here for Cleveland State to keep this competitive. Randall, what do you say?
4: Yeah, not the matchup for Cleveland State. They, uh, they escaped in the Horizon League and got to the finals and played real well. But they got so much off of their defense. Houston loves that style. They're going to get after them on the boards. They can't score with any sort of, of – of normalcy, you know, continuity on offense. They just can't Uh, Houston in a romp here. This is just not the matchup for Cleveland state.
2: Yeah. Houston Houston takes away everything in the paint. They're going to force Cleveland state to shoot. Cleveland state takes so many bad threes. It's just, I think this turns into a blah they're going to get, it's going to be one and done for Cleveland on bad shots. Houston, if they're making threes and they are fully capable of it. Yeah. I mean, what is Grimes shooting like 60% from three? Um, If they're making threes, great. If not, they're just going to get the rebound and put it back in. Like, it's it's crazy. Colin, anything here?
5: Yeah, projected spread at 18, so there's not much value in the 20 there, maybe in the first half. I mean, Houston is number one in the nation in, in defensive field – effective field goal percentage, and that is going to be a rush to the veins for Cleveland State to see that kind of defense. So I think maybe playing in the first half to see if Houston's up, maybe they cover the full game spread in the first half because uh, it's going to be a shock to Cleveland State's system.
2: North Texas Purdue, 725 Eastern TNT, Purdue's seven and a half point favorites over under 126 and a half. Like I said, Purdue final four potential. They're, they could also lose this game. This is a scary game for Purdue, just like it's a scary game for Oklahoma State, because of the style and matchup. North Texas, really well coached, and they have Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, excellent point guard. Simmons is great inside, experienced team, very good defense. They also are very capable from three. And Purdue, I believe, out of any tournament team, allows more three-point, a higher three-point percentage uh, than any team in the tournament as far as three-point rate and attempts. So they're going to get their looks. If North Texas is hitting, they're going to be right in this game. And with such a low total in a low-possession game, the variance is higher. This if North Texas is hitting their shots, uh, P- Purdue could be in for a scare here. I don't know if North Texas can necessarily defend them when Purdue really needs a bucket, right? And they go into Edie, they go into Williams. Some of their numbers this year, by the way, are better with Edie on the court, but Williams, they need a bucket in the post North Texas. That's not their strength in post defense, especially if they're getting in foul trouble. Um, But I, I think that Purdue could get scared here. If the shots for North Texas are falling in such a low possession, likely a grinder type of game. What do you see Randall?
4: Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's the high variance, low possession game. I am just positive that P- Purdue's moving on here. I think they will find a way to get it through. Zach Eady guy, 71% from the free throw line. It's not like he can foul him. He makes his free throws. Travion Williams doesn't, but they can go to him and get a bucket whenever they want. If you're going to take North Texas, your argument is that Ivy's going to go nuts and take some of these crazy shots that these freshmen take that are sort of out of control. I just think when you have a big on a power six conference school inside. It's really tough for these North Texas of the world to earn that upset. I know it's going to be low variance. I expect high efficiency from Purdue, North Texas, well-coached veteran team too. A lot of guys with experience. You want to take North Texas with the points. No problem with that at all. I just feel Purdue is not going to be tripped up here. I just think they're too well-balanced. Defanovich is finally healthy from the COVID and so many bigs inside. And Edie is such a problem. He's going to create open shots, even for a solid North Texas defense. So Purdue moving on for me.
5: Yeah, I mean, if there's going to be a play out of me, it's going to be the under in this game, a projection of 120 and a half. And I really think that the tempos go into that. I don't think North North Texas has no advantages on the glass whatsoever. Either side of the court, they're not going to be able to pull down a rebound. There's going to be extra shots for Purdue there uh, when they really need it. But, I mean, they're in no rush to get the ball down the court. I think, for me, this is a watch and learn because of how much I have invested in Calcutta auctions, uh, in bracket pools, and everything Uh, I want to see the level of comfort of Purdue because their campus is not that far away from where they're playing this game. And I know that they had to go and check into the bubble, but I want you to think about it. A team like Arkansas flies to Nashville, plays in the SEC tournament, and when they lose, they immediately go to Indianapolis and they check into the bubble. This is a bubble similar to what's going on with the NBA in the finals last year. And for Purdue, that's not how it worked. Losing the Big Ten championship, by the way, played in Indianapolis. Went home, rested, hung out in their own offices, their own courts, own practice courts, and then they check into the bubble. And when they're done with that, they'll just go back home back to the I mean, it's not that far of a bus trip. I'm not saying there's like a home court advantage here, but there's definitely they have to be one of the most rested teams, least amount of travel of anybody coming into Indianapolis. Uh, so I want to see the level of comfort on Purdue before I wail on them in other games, but there's no advantage here for North Texas on the boards uh, and their free throw rate is 280 seconds. So I can't get behind them in their point spread.
2: All right, let's move on to Rutgers Clemson Rutgers, one and a half point favorite over under 125 and a half. There's that right when this matchup came out, I just, I found a sign of rock fight and tweeted it. I mean, this game should be ugly Ugly, 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 ugly. Defense-dominated game. I played the under-126.5. I think this game's played in the 50s. Unless, like, one team extends, and there's always a risk of this, and you get some fouls late. The one thing I would be very worried about with Rutgers, very worried about is out of all the first-round matchups, this is by far the biggest discrepancy in free throw percentage. Uh, Clemson is, I think, 12 or 13% higher from the line. So if this game is called tight, huge advantage to Clemson – which could end up being the difference. Um, we've we've liked Rutgers as a podcast. We just, I mean, they can't shoot. So if their shots are falling, they're going to be dangerous. Randall, this is uh, your boys, your Scarlet Knights, help us out here. I just, it's just under ugly game for me. I not much more to it.
4: Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out why Clemson's a seven and Georgia Tech is a nine as the ACC tournament champion, but whatever. You're right about the free throws, but there have been situations, guys, and you can look at Syracuse every year where teams that don't shoot free throws well all of a sudden get it together for a couple of games. This pod is tailor made for Rutgers. What has Clemson done away from home that has impressed anyone since the new year? So they go away to Georgia Tech, they lose that game by 18. They go away to Florida State, they lose by 19. They go away to Duke, they lose by 26. They go away to to Wake Forest and they win. Great. They go away to Syracuse and they lose by 10. They play Miami on a neutral court here in the ACC tournament. No Chris Likes. They lose that by three. I think Rutgers is ready. I think they're excited to be in the tournament for the first time in almost, was it, 30 years. The only thing is the free throws. They are finally healthy. They had Gio Baker with an injury earlier in the year. Ron Harper played through an ankle problem. They have Amaruri inside who's backing up Miles Johnson now. So Miles Johnson could be more aggressive on defense inside because he knows he has somebody coming off the bench, doesn't have to worry about the foul trouble. Steve Peichel, really good coach. You're going to make a rock fight with Rutgers? No, thank you. I will take a Rutgers team that when they were healthy earlier this year, they beat Illinois at home 91 to 88. 91 points. They can play. They have a great team chemistry. They're excited to be back in the tournament. Clemson away from home. No offense. Forget it. I'll take Rutgers.
2: I think you might have maybe convinced me on Rutgers. I just got to get over the
5: the, disgusting free throw disparity. Kyle? Yeah, I might be on Rutgers. I haven't been able to get through that yet. This game is so late and it's going to be so ugly and gross to watch. I hope I don't fall asleep. Obviously I won't, but I wrote up for the Action Network, uh, so, you know, the tempo report. And this one was number one on my bullet list of unders, a projection at 120 and a half. I started writing it at 127. Uh, by the time I got done, it was at 126. And as we're podcasting, we're, we're down to 125 and a half. So it's definitely moving in the direction that I, I thought it would. Super slow tempos, 338th, 213th, terrible offensive free throw rates, 336th and 278th. Uh, Rutgers free throw percentage is 330. These are gross numbers. Their effective field goal percentage numbers are worse than each team's defensive numbers. Uh, Clemson shoots threes at a pretty high clip, but Rutgers is fourth in opponent three point percentage. Uh, I can't find any reason how this gets over, right? I mean, even if a team gets hot, uh, yeah, there's only so much you could do with these tempos and these free throw numbers. Uh, it's gross. I think I, Randall might be joining you on Rutgers,
2: uh, but agree with you on the under. Um, and I will. I am going to be cursing on Twitter if they're missing free throws late and blow the lead. I'm sorry.
6: You smell that? What is that? What's that smell?
3: Opportunity. No, money. I smell money.
2: Okay. All right, let's move on to Syracuse, always an intriguing team. against San Diego State, 940 Eastern on CBS. San Diego State, three-point favorite, over under 139 and a half. I'm going back and forth and back and forth on this game. Uh, these are two teams, by the way, that give up a lot of three-point attempts. You can't get anything at the rim on San Diego State, like nothing. And they'll give up a lot of three-point attempts. Syracuse, obviously, will give up a lot of three-point attempts. They hope that they're ugly three-point attempts with their zone. San Diego State has ridiculous zone offense numbers, but they played like the zone, bad zones, Air Force, San Jose State. So I don't know how much to take from it. Um Syracuse, so they haven't seen a zone like Syracuse. Always dangerous in a tournament setting. Buddy bayham has been on fire. I like the Syracuse offense um, a lot more than I thought I would. I, so, I, But I keep going back and forth here. I don't, I don't, I might not decide on this game if I even do better until like the last five minutes. Brad uh, right, will help me out.
4: San Diego State overrated. You're, that's what it is. The numbers are really great. Yeah, Colgate's numbers are really good too, but they only played four teams. I understand that the, the initial fan look is going to say, oh, Mitchell, Shackle. These guys are going to light up the zone.
6: The greatest player on the West Coast, Matt Mitchell. Yeah,
4: well, so is Buddy Bayheim He's going to light people up too as well. Mitchell has not had a great year. Played a little bit below the way he was last year. He was magical last year. Not the case. Now we're going on the road. Syracuse, Bayheim coaching advantage here. And Syracuse has been really hot. Remember, they almost beat uh, UVA straight up if it wasn't for that shot at the end by, by Beekman, the three. They've played well. They've played better teams. The zone is coming together. They're getting hot. I like Syracuse here, moving on. It's a stylistic difference. Bayheim, absolutely Syracuse. And this is a nice, another team. If you if you don't like Houston in this in this region, you could find a way to get Syracuse through. We've seen it again. Malachi Richardson, UVA, the whole story. Give me Syracuse in the orange. Buddy Bayheim feels like it's going in. As soon as he lets it go, he's turning around and running back. Too hot for me right now.
5: Uh Kyle? Yeah, I, I completely agree with what Stuck said about, yes, San Diego, I, I flip flop on this game myself because yes, San Diego State has played against zones, but they're terrible zones. They shoot the three for the lion's share of their points. They're 28th and three point percentage, but what were the quality of those zones they were going up against? That's what gives me trouble here. Syracuse on the other hand, 339th in defensive rebounds. Uh that's an issue. If San Diego State's not knocking down those threes and they can cut into that zone for the offense of the long offensive rebounds, uh, that's going to be a problem for Syracuse. You know, and they they excel, the Orange excel in steals. They're 8th in the nation, but the offense of the Aztecs is 22nd in offensive steal percentage. They do they have very good ball protection, but the quality of the zones they played in the Mountain West gives me problems. So I have projected San Diego State minus 2 uh, I, it scares me to even knock Syracuse out of the brackets. I mean, how far do you take this team that's proven to you time again, that having a double digit seed doesn't matter. So, uh, to me, it's a, it's a stay away. Um, but you know, I flip flop on San Diego state because of the quality of the zones they played.
2: Yeah. Syracuse, by the way, they want to get out and transition this year and they've been really good in transition, but San Diego state doesn't really allow that. San Diego state's really good on the offensive glass. So they, they don't allow a ton of transition opportunities so maybe that hurts the Syracuse offense, but the Syracuse San Diego State also doesn't get out in transition a lot, and that's where Syracuse has been vulnerable. And Syracuse's defense and their zone has really come together. Uh, I Maybe I'll side with you with the Bayhine magic, Randall, but uh, I'm still undecided. 950 Eastern, true TV, Moorhead State, the lone representative in the tournament from the state of Kentucky uh, against West Virginia. West Virginia is a 13-point favorite, over under 137.5. I Going back and forth on this one, too. I love the Moorhead State defense, and Broom is a monster inside. He's a high major player. a freshman uh, with a ton of size in the post. Just excellent, well-polished player in the post. And their defense is really good, really good perimeter defense. The problem I have with Moorhead State is their offense is very inconsistent. They got hot in the OVC tournament, but now they haven't played in – it's going to be about two weeks. There's going to be some rust here. I don't know if I trust them to – West Virginia gives up – I think the third most open, unguarded jumpers in the country down there with like Mississippi Valley State. And they've just been a, a bit lucky in three point defense. There, I think there's some regression coming for West Virginia. I don't know if Morehead State's the offense to exploit it. I think you're going to get an angry West Virginia team here. They lost two straight to end the year to Oklahoma State. And I think they're going to come out and press a lot. And they're going to press this Morehead State team that has major, major turnover issues. 332nd in the nation. I don't know if they – I just don't know if they can score enough. Their defense is really good. Um, So, I'm kind of scared of Moorhead here. Randall, sway me one way or the other.
4: I like Moorhead State with the points, absolutely. I put them through to win the game outright. Guys, West Virginia – at West Virginia in a game that they really wanted to win and needed to win home game there against Oklahoma State. No Cunningham, no likely – Give up 85 points at home. You can't tell me more head state. I know they can struggle, but West Virginia's defense is going to give open looks. There's also been some things. Sean McNeil coming out of the game late. Wasn't happy because his defense wasn't good. Huggins pulled him out. Miles McBride can get a little crazy and out of control with drive Huggins nuts. I think this is a redo of the Stephen F. Austin loss, which was the same seed matchup here. Yeah, You have a three West Virginia, a 14 Morehead State. That's what Stephen F. Austin was. Morehead State's defense is going to cause problems for the West Virginia offense. That's why I like them. I like Johnny Broom inside. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. I get that. But Culver hasn't dominated offensively the way he needs to. I like Morehead State with the points for sure. I'm going to put him ahead. I'm not on West Virginia. All the reasons you said, defense is not where it used to be. Huggins has said it in interviews. Our defense is lacking. We've got to get better on defense. And the offense, all I need is a bad shooting night. That's all I need is a bad three-point shooting night, which is certainly in the range of outcomes against Moorhead State's defense. Give me the Eagles to move on.
5: Kyle, do you agree with Randall? Uh, up to a point, yes, because I and I could see the upset happening, but it's really the main issue that you brought to the table that has me not buying this game yet, which is Moorhead being 332nd offensive turnover percentage. So if Press Virginia is going to press and have success at that, that's an issue for Moorhead winning this game. Other than that, if they could just get it up the court and then get into their offensive set and get a shot off they have a chance because if Moorhead gets a shot off, they're 72nd in offensive rebounds and West Virginia's 288th in defensive rebounding. Second chance points a plenty for Moorhead state. Uh, the effective field goal percentage advantages are for Moorhead on both ends, offensively and defensively. Uh, again, if they can avoid the transition issues and they can simply get a shot off, they have a chance and and you got to love being 13th in defensive free throw rate. They will not foul you whatsoever. I like that.
2: Yeah. The problem is, that Western Judy gives up a lot of offensive rebounds because they're really aggressive on defense and try to force turnovers. So, like, what happens first? Is more turn it over, or do they get the shot off and get the offensive rebound? It, um,
5: you want to live bet the half court line? Can you live bet the possession at no. the half court line?
2: <laughs> um, all right, let's finish it up here with Winthrop at Villanova, uh, Colin. I think you're going to disagree with me on this game. Winthrop six and a half point underdog, over under one forty three. I played some over. I played some Winthrop. Uh, I think this Villanova team is cooked. I I respect Jay Wright. I'm sure he'll come up with something offensively here. And I'm sure Robinson Earl will have a big game. But without Gillespie as their team leader, without him on the offense, he just creates so much offense for that team, part of their beautiful ball movement, part of that great half-court offense. Also, hey, he's a really good three-point shooter, but close to 40%, missing that as well. And this Winthrop team is super athletic. Um, and th- what, they, what Winthrop wants to do, and they're just oozing of athleticism all over the court. They want to attack the glass, which they're really good at on both ends. And they want to get out in transition. But, and they're top 15 in the nation in the offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. But when they get out in transition, I was actually shocked to find out that they're not that efficient. In the half court, they're in the 86, 82nd percentile in points per possession. In transition, twenty third, and you don't really get out in transition against Villanova. They get back, and they're going to slow the game down. Winthrop's defense in transition, twenty second percentile. Half court defense, ninetieth. I mean, this team in the half court is a rocket ship, and Villanova doesn't really let isn't really going to let the game become a back and forth transition game. Um, I think Winthrop has advantages on the outside with their guards. This Villanova defense stinks. I mean, you want to talk about the half-court defense for Winthrop and the 90th percentile? I mean, Villanova's at like 34th. They're a little soft inside. They're soft on the perimeter. I just I, – I don't see it with this Nova team. It's hard to reinvent. They already had flaws, and they had to deal with COVID, and now you're having to lose Gillespie. Uh, I mean, Villanova's going to shoot a ton of threes, so if they're on, sure, they could – They could win this game by 10-plus, but I like this Winthrop team. I think they lost one game all year, and it was a huge comeback by UNC Asheville. Um, I think Winthrop is very, very live here. Um, Randall, do you agree with me before Cotton disagrees?
4: Chris Archie Diacono played 32 minutes against Georgetown. He's averaging .3 points. You're going to have that guy bringing the ball up, even if they go with Justin Moore against Winthrop with the press up and down the court. They're top 25 in defensive turnover rate. Winthrop is deep. They shoot the three. Chandler Vaudrin, triple-double machine on any given night. Player of the year in the conference. Winthrop for me. All the reasons you said. And the most important one is that Villanova has struggled defensively. Did you guys see that Butler game? That was abysmal. And they couldn't make a three that night. They're going to have to be uber-efficient from three. And they're going to have to get great protection of the ball, bringing up the court against Winthrop. No way. That defense is stifling like Pat Kelsey and Winthrop to move on here.
6: Upset alert.
2: I'll get and give us the reasons to disagree.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be me and UCLA and Villanova in a corner while you guys are tag teaming up on me like a WWE match here. So let me try to throw out. I mean, the reasons why I like Villanova here, as I said it the second the brackets were announced, that Winthrop was going to be the, the, the trendy public underdog. And that doesn't mean it's not going to win. I mean, the public wins, underdogs win. But I can tell that this was going to be a team that was going to take on a lot of money because of the loss of Gillespie. And that hurts on the offensive end. He was their best player, uh, you know, but he was dead last in the defensive Bayesian performance on the roster. Uh, If you look at John Hollinger's value added formula that puts Gillespie at about 2.1 points towards the spread, the projection on this game was 8.5. So that's how you get to six and a half. Uh, So I think the number is set perfectly. I bought it when it got down to six. I thought that was a little bit too much. Uh, you know, the Justin Moore angle news is key, although I mean, Moore is sixth out of seventh on total BPR uh, w- with these teams. He's got to get better from that ankle injury. Uh, he didn't contribute much in that game against Georgetown. And speaking of the Georgetown game, people are going to be thinking, you know, well, that, you know, uh, you know, Nova lost that game in the Big East tournament. But I mean, Georgetown shot 38 percent from three and they went 23 of 23 free throws. I mean, they hit every single free throw against Nova and only beat them by one. A Herculean effort from the charity stripe only beat no Villanova by one. And that's with them trying to, you know, learn how to play without two of their best players. So Winthrop, I mean, they have the rebounding edge here on the glass, but there's just there's a monstrous size difference here. There's just average height between the two rosters is a real problem. I think the number is priced correctly. And listen, when the market opens Ohio and Liberty, and those dogs take money and the market reacts, and odds makers shift. Uh, they respect that money. And so far from what I've seen, it's been all Winthrop money and the market hasn't shifted at all. So I'm not saying that's the reason for the bet. I'm just saying that Villanova is now going to be on game two uh, or, you know, you know, past the Gillespie injury. They're going to learn how to play a little bit better. And I think the number is just priced correctly at six and a half. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to take Nova here and, and ride with it. and We'll see if they can have life post Gillespie or if they're just a one and done.
2: We shall find out. Uh, we will battle. Uh, Winthrop vs. Nova to close out the Friday night slate. We will be back shortly. We're going to record right after this with the Saturday preview. We'll talk a little futures too. But before that, we have our Friday night six-pack. It's back.
1: Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops weekend six-pack.
6: Everyone's trying
2: All right, so we're now joined by two members of the Three Man Weave, Jim Root and Matt Cox, College Hoops contributors here at the Action Network. The Weave is without Kyle McEwan, but he submitted his pick. So we're ready to build our Friday six-pack, six-picks for Friday's March Madness slate. You can catch Three Man Weave on Twitter at 3MW underscore C D B and on the Three Man Weave podcast. You also find the Friday night six-pack piece on actionnetwork.com and Action Network app. But let's get to the picks. So are you guys excited that March is finally here, Jim? Oh, thrilled! It's, it's here. Two years, what? Two years in the making. Yeah, man. Come on, Matt. It's time. Let's do this. Yup, I can't wait. I'm itching. So we need winners for Friday, Jim. We need three spicy meatballs on the Friday slate. Let's start with you. What do you got? Oh, we've been cooking them up. We, we've we've got meatballs ready to go here. I
3: am going with Colgate in Arkansas over 161 and a half. The current number. This game's going to be a shootout. Both teams run up and down. Both teams are a little better offensively than they are defensively. Both have serious mismatches. Arkansas is just going to overwhelm Colgate inside. Their their athleticism is just going to tear apart the Colgate defense. But on the other end, the Raiders are a prolific three-point shooting team, basically have four knockdown shooters on the court at all times, and they've got a quick little maestro in Jordan Burns that sets everything else up. So up and down game, both teams can score. I will ride with
6: the over 161.5. All right, Matt, what do you got? I'm laying the wood with a large favorite here. Uh, We reportedly are in a headbutting battle between a lot of sharp money. Some folks like the Bears. The others are trying to get cute and go with the Hartford uh, Hawks here. I'm just not buying this story from Hartford. They're slow-paced. They're well-coached with John Gallagher, but everything revolves around Tracy Carter, the former Marquette Marquette transfer who came to Hartford. He's the engine for that offense. Everything they do – has to revolve around him. The problem is that Baylor has two of the best lockdown defenders in college basketball, specifically Davian Mitchell, um, with his accolades, what he's done. He shuts them down at the point of attack. There's just no way Hartford eclipses 50, 55 points here. Baylor Stevens has gotten some slack the last few games. I just think it's an accumulation of fatigue and complacency. Oh, and the fact that they're playing Oklahoma State and Kate Cunningham. Kate ain't walking through that door for Hartford this weekend. I like Baylor minus 26.
3: Mr. McEwen is all over Utah State. Great coaching battle with Chris Beard and Craig Smith. He's going with the underdog in a low-scoring game. Utah State plus four.
2: All right. There it is from our three-man weave, guys. We had Jim Colgate, Arkansas, over. Matt Cox, Baylor, minus 26. And Kai, Utah State, plus four and a half. Uh, For my Friday night six-pack pick, I went over it earlier. I'm going with Liberty.
1: Liberty, Liberty.
2: Liberty plus, what are they at now? Plus seven and a half. Talked about the matchup in bad nauseam earlier. If they take away everything that Oklahoma State wants to do, they're going to make threes, and this game is going to be low scoring, high variance. Give me Liberty to keep it close. Randall, your Friday night pick. Old Roy in the first
4: round. Give me UNC minus one and a half against Wisconsin. They're not rallying the troops. You want to bet on the Badgers and Micah Potter making four threes, by all means. Bigs inside. Guards, experience. I'll take Caleb Love to have a big game. And give me Old Roy over guard. Only one and a half, no problem. Looking forward to UNC Baylor in the second round. Tar Heels minus one and a half.
2: It's
5: going for 30-0 in the first round for Old Roy. Colin. Woo-pig suey. Give me Arkansas minus eight and a half uh, against Colgate. This is a game I project up to 10. Arkansas gets a little bit more depth back with Jalen Williams coming. That will uh, give Justin Smith a little bit of a blow and not have to play every single minute. But more importantly – Arkansas has played a great schedule of teams that have made it into this tournament. While Colgate has played absolutely nobody Colgate has never seen an offense this fast in any of the Patriot league play. Uh, they're in for a shock to their system against an Arkansas team that can slash to the rim, shoot from three and hitting a great clip from the free throw line over the last two months.
6: Woo pig suey.
5: All right. There you have it. We will have a
2: piece out on action network at actionnetwork.com. That is your Friday in-depth preview for every single game on the board and our Friday night six-pack. Thanks to the guys from Three Men We for joining us. Thanks, as always, to Colin and Mike Randall. And I hope you guys enjoyed the listen. We appreciate your support. Let's have a big Friday leading into the weekend. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe—you know the drill. Leave a review, rate, review—it really helps us. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. You check out all of our picks on the Action Network app. We're gonna take a quick breather. We're gonna come right back with another episode for Saturday slate get ready and it won't be as long because we only have 12 instead of 16 games but we're going to get into it so we're going to go stretch and then come right back and do that episode we'll see you soon catch y'all in i guess after you listen us, two minutes cheers peace out welcome back march
6: we're finished talking